the price that you paid for your infidelity to whatever degree it was, you know, is so tremendously high. It's not just that you betrayed somebody else. It's like the, as you're kind of pointing out, almost worse is the betrayal of yourself. The betrayal of yourself, which is what happens when you're, you know, when you, you lose the capacity to just be honest and real with, with your own self. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the challenges of the creative call so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Oh yeah, okay, here we go. The price is to be real. This is a very, you know, very, I feel like, art centric conversation although who knows who knows where this could end up going but it's starting out i feel like in a in a very sort of artistic direction in terms of of the meaning of this title and where it came from and i'll just start things off by saying this is a little bit inspired by a video you sent me of the legendary Rick Rubin, who, I mean, I've known of Rick Rubin for a long time and I've never necessarily, actually, I've never read any of his books or, or really even watched a lot of interviews from him or anything, but every now and then I see a little something like what you sent me. And he was talking about how in art and the things that you create in terms of having to to start from a place where it's like a journal entry. It's like a diary. Don't even like not even thinking about this being something, you know, that's even going to go out there. This, this is going to be something that's made and then there's going to be an audience and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, just totally forget about that. Think about whatever this thing is. You're doing this book that you're writing, this song that you're writing, this, this performance that you will be giving, think of it as an entry into your journal. And I just, you know, I loved that. I love that. You know, it's something that we've definitely talked about here in terms of in order to be able to, to, to fully create with all of your capacities, you have to completely throw that sense of what it has to be. All of your expectations out because otherwise it's a distraction right you you will be distracted by this thing that you want it to be and this audience that you want it to have it, it's going to take you away from being able to fully commit to just doing the thing but there was something about that rick rubin comment of of thinking of it as a journal entry that, that level of 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 how personal it is and sort of the title of this episode uh came came out of that and the the prices to be real as a sense of there's a lot of i think misconceptions around like artists having to suffer for their art and whatever which i don't i don't believe in um but there there's also often talk about like the price you have to pay as an artist and i don't think that the price is to suffer the price is to be real in that sense of 
you have what you're doing has to have something that's so personal to it as personal as as a journal entry as a diary entry that's what needs to go into it that is the price that needs to be paid for it so i'll leave it there brandon yeah well i think there's a few things about this that i'll just say off the top that i think are important i think one is that if it's not vulnerable i don't know how interesting it is you know what i mean I don't know if, if like anybody cares because I feel like it's so easy to make surface stuff. It's so easy to just kind of do what works, you know, but it doesn't really work, but like that whole idea. And then the other thing too is, um, if you, if you don't have anything on the line, like if there's nothing, if there's no skin in the game, like you know, it kind of works like this with everything, right? Like people who talk about investing, it's like, yeah, like if you've just played around in like the fake stock market and you think you're a good trader, I mean, you, you know, you don't know what it's like. You have to have actual skin in the game. You have to have actual money so you can feel what it's like and the, and the price of losing it, you know? This is the thing, it's like the um, you know, they call people like, uh, who review things. Sometimes they call them like armchair quarterbacks. It's like the whole, it's like, well, you're sitting in the chair. You're not in the game, you know, and you're watching it and you're going, yeah, this is what they should have done. This is the thing. But it's like, you weren't there. You weren't in that moment. You weren't, you didn't, you know, you didn't have the pressure of, for example, if you're literally a quarterback in a football game of getting sacked, you didn't have that. I don't know what's on my left over here but you're watching it on the screen. Maybe you're watching it in the game and you're in the stands and you can see around the quarterback, but the quarterback, they don't see that. And they, they have to keep that sense of like danger could be there. I don't know if it is there. And so there's this um, element in art, which I think is very, it's very accurate. It's like you as an artist perceive danger around you. That's sometimes not there, but the fact that you perceive it is real and it, it, informs sometimes the choices you make and what you explore. I think with the journal entry is, you know, if someone picked up your journal and read what you wrote, and if you really were vulnerable and you wrote the truth and you wrote something that, you know, maybe you have a secret, maybe there's something you're working with, you don't really want everyone to know. That sense of like someone could pick this up and read it. And then to actively go, okay, I'm going to be bold and courageous enough to now put that out in the world and actively share that with people. I feel like that's the thing we're really after. And there's a lot of garbage art out there. And I think if you have this desire to create great art and you want to do something meaningful, that's what this conversation is kind of getting into, you know, whether the danger is there or not there, your experience of it matters. And it's relevant. And I think to some degree it informs the work and you know, when you, uh, you, you're at some point, I think, you know, you need to call upon something real and that's the price. And, and it's a price because the, I think the, the bottom line is that people don't want to call on something that's real. They want to fake it, mm-hmm. but to, to be vulnerable, to be open and to, and to be real is, is a frightening prospect for most people. And so I think for me, that's a lot of what we're getting into. And yeah, who knows where this is going to go. I do feel like it's a good application for art, but Hey, maybe there's some applications for life we're going to explore and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah. You know, there's, you know, and the thing is, is that, that price, I, I think that in many ways it's like the, the price is actually really not that bad in, in a way because, but it's like, it feels that way. It can feel that way that the price you're paying because I think that very often it's your ego that's being threatened, right? There's the thing that you're, you're afraid won't be accepted. It's like when you're in a relationship with somebody, you know, and into, and, and there's sides of yourself that you're keeping hidden. Cause you're like, I don't know if they'll accept this, right? Which is, you know, and who knows, maybe, maybe a person won't accept certain parts of you. But the thing is, is in any relationship, if you can't keep, you can't keep who you are a secret, you can't be living, you know, a whole sort of secret side of yourself and, and expect a relationship to, to work out in the long run. Right. But with art and this idea of sort of the diary, I think that why this is such a nice little almost hack is that it's even putting that aside. It's like, well, no, you, you don't even like, this is, you're not even necessary. You don't even know if you're sharing this with anybody, mm -hmm. right? You don't know if this is like, you don't even know if this is worth sharing with anybody yet, right? Like, but you're going to go into this. You're going to go and you're going to explore this thing. You're going to see what's there. But if you treat it in that way where, it's like you can say the things even, you know, sometimes with, with journal writing and diary writing, however you, you look at it, there's moments where I can barely say something, you know, like there's things that like, I don't even want to write, write down on, on the page. There's things that I, that I, at times I can only like just whisper it to myself right and those are very often like the the most in, incredible and extraordinary things that you can write in a journal cuz at least it's like hey there it is it's not it's not this monster in the closet anymore here's this very vulnerable thing that you finally even just been able to admit to yourself and that's the level of intimacy that that is in many ways, the price of creating any anything that we might consider art, right? Is it has to have that level of a vulnerability of the things that we can only whisper to ourselves. And then maybe we find the courage to actually just own it and and say it. Right? So I don't I, I let me let me go to a to another thing here that we had talked about just before we started recording which which is um something i heard the the musician ron sexsmith talking about which was he said that early in his in his songwriting career he was always trying to be clever and it's one hell of a thing to actually just come to a place to acknowledge that, you know, to just have that moment where you realize that, holy shit, you know, and he'd put out albums, you know, like he was a, he was a 
professional recording artist by this point, you know, and he's like, oh, I, and to have the actual awareness to be like, I'm just trying to be clever. And my songs are just trying to be clever. I'm just trying to show people how clever I am. Definitely not a great way to start making art. I remember uh, he wasn't one of my acting teachers. I was a, we were peers taking a class together, but he was an, he was an acting professor in, uh, where was he? I think he was teaching somewhere in North Carolina, but I remember we were having a discussion about a particular actor, not in our class, like a professional working actor who I won't, won't say their name, but I said, yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's always, he's, he's a very clever actor. I remember him saying to me, he's like, I don't know if there's a worse insult that you could, that you could. <laughs> and I, I didn't necessarily mean it as an insult, but there is something that, that I realized afterwards, like, oh yeah, that wasn't, my comment wasn't entirely complimentary. You know, like there was, like, it wasn't entirely meant to be a, you know, an insult, but it definitely wasn't entirely complimentary of this of this particular actor and just him pointing that out to me was very interesting because yeah that whole thing of trying to be clever which is i think a massive problem that we have in in our society is like we have so many people everyone's just trying to you know the whole problems we have with conversations being boiled down to right and wrong who's right who's wrong it's like well who's the most clever who can make the most clever argument and the end of the the whole thing everyone's just bloody and bruised and nothing necessarily has been resolved right it's just all in just trying to to be the most clever person in the room has a very destructive quality to it whereas just trying to say something honest and real and vulnerable, all of those things like that's, that's the stuff that, that cuts through all that noise. It's just something that seems to be coming a lot up a lot in our conversations in the last little while. It's like, what are the things that, that cut through those things or, or goes deeper that connects us more than it, than it divides us. Right. And I think that that's part of what this whole thing of, of that, that price you pay, that vulnerability, that honesty of, of what you're bringing to what you're doing, as opposed to just trying to be clever, which is an ego thing. The, yeah. The, um, uh, the, the idea, you know, when you ever seen a kid lie, like a little kid, it's funny. I find it very funny because they think they're getting away with it. And it's like, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I, I watch most adults as they, you know, some kids making up a story. You can tell they're making up a story because they're not good liars and they haven't figured it out. But they're like, want to tell you this story and like, they kind of think they're, and you watch them thinking they're getting away with it. And it's kind of cute. It's funny. But it's also a little bit ridiculous. And it's fine when a child does it, but it's like when an adult does it, it's kind of like, that's that's pathetic. You know, it's kind of like, you you think you're getting away with it, but you're not. And, and everybody's just kind of like, okay, yeah, all right. But it's like, it doesn't resonate because there's nothing real there. And it's, you know, and I think like, uh, you know, I look at some, some movies and some, 
some content, some, you know, some acting, some writing, some filmmaking. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like, you're just lying to me. You're just, you're telling me a lie and it's bullshit. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, just tell the truth, you know, let's, let's get down to like what really happened. But you know what, like go back to the origins of a lie and, and why do those things exist? And, you know, um, a big part of lying comes from the fact that you don't like what the truth is. Somehow the truth's not good enough. Maybe you don't think it adds up. Maybe you think if someone knew the truth, something bad would happen. So you actually try to lie to, to either avoid the bad thing, or maybe you lie because you think you'll get the good thing if you, if you kind of exaggerate or you do whatever. And I think the thing about a journal entry, which is interesting, because I journal every day and I've written for over 11 years in a row every single day now. And I've written since, since I was a teenager. So cumulatively, I've written for over like, you know, decades. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, is that it's like, um, why lie in your journal <laughs> if you're the only one going to read it? Like, why would you, why would you lie to yourself? I mean, you know the truth. So what's, what's the point in that? And very early on in my journaling, um, this is like when I was still a teenager, I remember, I, I remember being like, what if someone picks up my journal? And, uh, I remember kind of like being careful what I wrote and kind of not really fully going there. And even later, there were moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to write about this. It's even even hard for me to, I don't want to put pen to paper about it. It's just difficult. Um, but I remember one point, and, and this is in my teenage years, I just remember saying, you know what? If someone finds my journal and picks it up and reads it, so what? It's If that's the price that I have to pay to that risk for me to figure out how to honestly document and communicate and think things out and work them out, then that's the price they'll pay. And I definitely have had like girlfriends, ex-girlfriends in the past who have gone and betrayed that trust and snuck in and read my journal. Um, and it's a huge betrayal of trust, massive betrayal of trust. I mean, thing is, is cause it's, but it's, it's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know what? That was the price was the price of knowing who you were. That was the price of, you know, it was the price of me finding out. It's just like someone stealing money from you. It's the same thing, you know, and whatever someone's reasons are, at the end of the day, if you, if you become at peace with yourself, though, the fear goes away. Eventually it's like, well, read my journal. You know what I mean? Like what I discovered uh, over all the years is that ultimately everybody's just like me anyway. There's some quirks about me that are probably a little bit different or unique and other people have quirks and some people have maybe some, some real strange ones that are like anomalies, a lot different. But for the most part, everybody's like me. Everybody just wants to feel loved. Everybody doesn't feel good enough. Everybody's trying to, you know, do all the same shit. They're all up to the same game. And that's why I can't be clever because everybody's going to know, or at least a lot of them are going to know what I'm up to because they're up to the same shit. And it's like watching a child lie. So why don't I just be real and say, you know what? Truth is I'm flawed. The truth is, is sometimes I don't like somebody and sometimes I, you know, I don't know how to contend with that feeling. And sometimes, you know, I just, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things. Sometimes I'm scared and I don't want to be scared and I don't want anyone to know that I'm scared, but the truth is that I'm scared, you know? And we have this whole thing in our culture about image and posturing and, and there's a certain amount of 
we get things for that, right? I think we get things in exchange for appearing a certain way. And, you know, I think that's kind of why we utilize the ego and the false identity because we don't think that if we were our true selves that we would be enough in the world. So we have to create this image of success or wealth or whatever so that people perceive us a certain way. And I think there's a bit of a game in that. Like, I don't think it's entirely, I don't think people are entirely wrong and entirely false about that. I do think first impressions and all this stuff, they do matter. But I think when it comes down to like having a meaningful relationship or creating great art or something like that, at the end of the day, the price is being real. So initially you can get by with the, this is my image. Here's what I look like. Cool guy, you know, cool girl, whatever. Um, that works for a little while. And if you want short-term surface level relationships and surface level art, and you want to just, you know, kind of look like you're doing it, you can maintain that for a while. But I think if you really want to do it, at some point, you're going to have to share with your partner the truth. You're going to have to put the truth into your art. You're going to have to do something real. And that's the thing. That's where it goes from, this is nice and fun, to I'm taking a risk. And I might actually discover something about myself and about humanity and about everything else. And so, you know, I think this is an interesting talk we're having because I'm not saying that the surface level or being clever is surface level to me. I don't think that's necessarily wrong in and of itself. But I think that ultimately it's unsatisfactory. And I think it leads to something that is kind of like empty and shallow. And I think that ultimately it costs us. So at a certain point, it's better to just be real because, you know, there's a certain point where it's just like, well, you know what? It's worth it to take the risk because the alternative is I live this kind of shallow, empty experience. Yeah. And it's in many ways, it, the price is actually your liberation. Mm. If I can use that word, it's, which is, what do you mean? Well, because it means not, I mean, being real means being honest, which means not lying, not, not lying, not living a lie, not trying to maintain a lie about something, not trying to, to fool yourself or fool anyone else of something. That's when you're not doing that anymore, that's a kind of liberation. So it's, it's interesting that because it can feel so scary, right? Like to, to do that where, where it feels safer to not do that thing for us, right? It feels safer to not, but it's like, it's strange to me just in the sense that it's like, well, the price, you're not, it's not really a price that you're paying. It only seems like you're, you're paying a price for this thing because if you actually allow yourself to do the thing it's you coming to understand yourself and maybe understand life on a deeper level than you did before it's that that's what i mean by it's like it it's it's a liberating thing but we're still so like we don't see it that way i don't think yeah 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 
Okay. So I just want to say one thing about this. So it's kind of like, that, this is how I'm interpreting it. I'll throw it back to you a sec. Is that it seems like we're paying a price that's too great and that's why we resist. But if we saw the return on investment, right? It's like, yeah, I got I to gotta put this out there and that's scary and that's risky and that's uncomfortable and all these things. But if I do it, what I could get is liberation in that, say it's with my partner and they really know who I really am and I don't have to pretend to be anything, I could just be me. And that return on investment is so great. But that I think is the hard gap, the bridge that we have a difficult time crossing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, you know, the coming out, so to speak, right? It's like, it's, yeah, there's that scary thing. You don't know how people might react to it, but you yourself no longer have to pretend, as you said, as I'm glad you brought that word into it. There's no pretending anymore. You, you can, you can finally, that thing doesn't have to be in the shadows anymore. And, you know, coming back to this whole thing of like, you know, the, the diary, the journal, and what you were saying about like, what if, because that thought has definitely crossed my mind. I think anybody who's ever done journaling at any time in their life has, that thought has come across where it's like, what if somebody saw this? What if somebody read this? And just, you know, there can be such a feeling of dread that can come with that. There can be, there can be, yeah, it can be a scary thought. And it's because there, there's some sort of something that we're ashamed of. And shame, shame is a fucking nasty thing to live with. Maybe one of the nastiest things that we live with as human beings is shame. Fear and shame are right up there with, with the top sort of painful things that we as human beings have and live with. But shame only lives in, in the dark, really, you know, like, like shame doesn't survive the light. It's a, it's a vampire, <laughs> right? It's actually pretty a accurate. I'm sure somebody's had spat that an analogy out at some point somewhere, but it really is. It's like a, it's, it's like a vampire. It lives in the dark and it feeds off of you. You know, it feeds off of your blood. It feeds off of your life. But when you bring it out to the light, it's just, it's destroyed, right? There's, it, it's, it, it can't, it can't live and grow and, and become more powerful when it's exposed. So, I mean, I think that there's something, there was something that, that, that I, it's, I, I've lost it now, but there was something about, this whole thing of of the journal and and shame and liberation and you know the liberation from shame and i think that through art you know bringing that quality to bringing those things out right it can in many ways it it's it's like it create it can it can create a safe space for us to do those things, right? To, to bring those things out into the light. And it also gives, it also gives us an opportunity as, as an audience to it, to witness it. And, and to, 
maybe give us the courage to take a look at the things that we're ashamed of, right? Or the things that we don't want to look at. And it can maybe shine a little bit, you know, how, how the artist shone a little bit of light with their thing. Maybe we catch a little bit of that light too. You know, maybe the, it shines a bit of light on, on where we feel shame and fear and these types of things and give us the opportunity to look at those things for ourselves as well. Right. Um, I don't know if there was something else that I had there, but there's, there's something around that all of those sort of relationships right now, that's, that's very not clear, but there's something that's there for me. I'm glad you brought that in. Shame's a big part of this. I'm realizing as we explore the, the whole idea. Yeah. And, uh, it is, it's very difficult to bring shame to the light. You know, it's, uh, um, sometimes it's not as difficult, but sometimes it's very difficult. And, you know, this whole, this whole thing of like admitting that you're flawed, admitting that you're imperfect, admitting that you hurt somebody or did something wrong. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think some of us more than others, it depends on our relationship to everything. And, you know, in some ways how well we were parented and whatnot, but like you can, uh, you know, you can, you can be like, well, if I admit this thing, then I'm going to get in trouble and there's going to be negative consequences, you know? And there's uh sometimes that's true. Sometimes there are consequences that come with the truth and the prospect of facing those consequences feels so bad that we would rather just pretend and maintain the lie. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's a thing of maturity, you know, it's like, um, the immature person thinks that living, they convince themselves that living the lie is okay, that they can get by and they can get away with it, but it's fucking brutal. It's fucking a nightmare. I, so I had this girlfriend one time and we were, uh, you know, we were far apart from each other and <clears throat> we were talking about, um, just fidelity and, you know, staying together and infidelity and whatever. And she had this dream that, <laughs> you know, so she just shared it with me and whatever, but she had this dream that, um, you know, that I was with someone else and she was like, and it really fucking tore me up and blah, blah, blah. And all this. So we're talking it out. Right. And I, you know, I said to her, you know, it's like, well, we're at a stage in our life where like, you could clearly be with someone else. Like, like to, tomorrow like and you know really so could i like we could just be with someone else and i said to her and like thing is though is that if one of us did that then we would have to live with it and we would project that the other person did it and we would have to live in that hell knowing that if we did it that they could do it and and you know if if you cheated on me that would hurt. I wouldn't like that because it would be a definitely a betrayal of my trust for you, but it would hurt you far more. And so in some ways out of my, like, like in my love for you and your love for me, we shouldn't want each other to do it simply because we would hurt ourselves. And so if you have gotten to the stage where you've cheated on your partner and maybe you're still maintaining a relationship with, well, I've met many people that do this. 
you live in hell and the only way out of hell is to, is to bear the truth, which the prospect of that probably seems like a nightmare to you. So you would rather maintain hell than share the truth because you probably assume, and, and you know what, in a lot of cases is you're probably right that your partner will leave you. You'll be disgraced. Uh, the, the truth will come out. Everyone will know what you did and who you are, and you will be exposed as a quote unquote cheater or whatever. And then the shame of like, I am this person and now I have to live with this thing. I did it. Here's the thing. You already live with all that. It's just that you live with it yourself because all those people, whether they know about it or not, they live inside you and they know about it because you know about it. Ultimately, it's the same thing and you think you've beat it, but you haven't. The, the, The way to heal is actually the best thing you can possibly do is to expose the truth. And it's fucking scary, you know, it's, it's, it's a fucking, and, 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 you know, um, I'll share a story about this. It's the reason why I know it. So I had a girlfriend when I was, uh, you know, in, in college, like teenager and she cheated on me and, uh, and I had the sense that it had happened and I, I asked her about it and she lied straight to my face. And then later I found out that I was right. And I was green at the gills. I just felt like I felt sick and I felt like, and it brought up all my stuff about not being good enough, not being lovable, all that stuff. Right. And I was really hurt. And so then, you know, some time passed, maybe a year or two passed and I was dating another girl. And, um, you know, I was so worried that that would happen again. And so any little sign that she might potentially cheat on me or anything, like I was very like, you know, sensitive to it. And this happens for a lot of people, right? And at a certain point, um, fuck, it's so brutal. But it's like at a certain point, I was just like, I, I kind of sense, and you know what? I could have been right. I mean, she might've gone off. I mean, who knows, right? Like there's, you never really know what anyone's going to do, but there was a sense that, hey, you know what? this, she was hanging out with this, these other girls that just wanted to go and party and make out with dudes at bars and stuff. And I didn't like that. And it brought up all my shit. And so, you know what? I was like, one night I was just like, you know what? I went out and then there was girls that were into me and I was just like, okay, you you know, and I kind of went down that road. And then I, this, here's the thing. I hadn't ended it with my girlfriend, but after that, like, even after I had kind of done this thing, I, um, I broke it off with her. And when I broke it off with her, she was like, but I'm like, I think I'm in love with you. It was fucking brutal, but I had already done it. It was too late. Yeah. And then I was like, no, you don't really love me. It just brought up all my more shit. Cause if you really knew who I really was, you definitely wouldn't love me. Cause I, I don't love me. And I ended it and I ended it before even anything really continued. So she never knew. And, but I lived with that. And for fucking years, I carried it around. Like I did this horrible thing and I am that worst thing that I ever wanted. It was hell. Then one day I was in this kind of like personal development thing and I just, you know, and we were working on, you know, success and whatever. And I just realized I need to share this truth with people. And when I shared it, I fucking bawled my eyes out. And um, someone came up and they said, you know, it was like, like we talked about it, like, why'd you do it? And what were your reasons and whatever? And it's like, and it wasn't what I didn't want to be that, but 
the thing is, is that when I, when I finally admitted the truth, it, it gave me some relief from the hell that I had put myself in. And the cost of running away from what I was scared of was so much greater than just hanging in the pocket. And had she, had I been betrayed again, it would be better to sit with that because I wouldn't have had to live through the hell that I put myself through, which is way worse. And I think like, um, you know, the, the, yeah, like the price is being real. And look, I mean, here's the thing. I've lived through that hell. So like, I'm probably more trustworthy than most people because the thing is, is that I would never put myself through that again. And, um, and that whole saying, like once a cheater, always a cheater, you know, like maybe there is some truth to that in certain aspects to, to certain types of situations where people won't admit the truth and they won't take accountability. But, um, there's one other thing I'll say just on this topic. There are people that don't know you can lie and they've never lied. And so you can trust them because they never lied. They don't know you can lie. And it's, these people don't exist. This is a false thing. Then there are people who you can't trust because they've lied. The only people you can trust are the people who have lied and admit that they've lied because we've all lied and we're all liars. And the reality is nobody gets out unscathed. So the way to heal everything is by being real. I lied about this. I fucking was weak here. I was flawed. I was scared. I did these stupid actions. I justified it through this way. I was wrong to justify it through this way. I'm not going to justify it any longer. I'm not going to excuse myself any longer. I'm going to admit what I did. I'm going to own it. And whatever you feel is fit, whatever your consequences of that, knowing that with me, I'm okay with because that is the price of being real with you. But if you still know me and you still accept me as I am, and you're willing to understand me, then you'll see where I'm coming from and we can work from here. But I mean, that is the only trustworthy person. So like, like really, if you want to trust somebody, the most trustworthy person is the person who will admit where they fucked up, where they were flawed, where they made a mistake, where they lied, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I mean, you said so many terrific things there, you know, that again, it's like, and yeah, and these things will, they will set you free. Being real will set you free. Like the, the, the price of doing it is far less than the price of not doing it. You know, it's one of those, those short-term, long-term things that come, that come up from time to time. It's like they're the price to pay in the long run for not being real, not just in art, but in your, in your life is, is terrible. Right. And yeah, there might be real prices to pay. Like I've never been in a situation where, you know, I've been cheated on or, or where I've cheated on, on somebody else. I can't imagine, but I do know people who've come back from that and it's only through that real thing. And man, that would be a, a hard journey through it, but there's also an opportunity there as well, right? Like when you can have that level of naked honesty with someone else and with yourself, like there's, there's real opportunity for, for deep intimacy and connection. And, you know, it's, 
you know, speaking on relationships, like it's, to me, it's a misconception. And I think it's a reason why a lot of marriages don't work is that there's this idea of whether people are conscious of it or not. But I think a lot of people have this idea that it's, well, you're just, you know, this person is just going to be this perfect person or they're they're just going to be this way and I can just always trust that they're always going to be that way. And, and trust, having deep trust in a person is definitely important, but that's not the entire package. You know, like if you go back to the kind of the classic words of for better or worse, right? Like it's a statement about sticking through shit, sticking through each other's fuck ups, sticking through like the highs and lows and the times when your partner acts like shit and your partner sticking through it when you act like shit. And those aren't, those are hard times. You know, those are hard times, but there, again, there's an opportunity. There's, there's intimacy there because that's, again, that's a person who is seeing things about you, about who you are that no one else has seen, that maybe only your journal has seen, <laughs> right? And, and, and that's kind of like where the trust comes from in a way. Not that that gives you a permission to just do whatever the fuck you want, because as you've illustrated with your story, the price that you paid for your infidelity to whatever degree it was, you know, is so tremendously high. It's not just that you betrayed somebody else. It's like the, as you're kind of pointing out, almost worse is the betrayal of yourself. The betrayal of yourself, which is what happens when you're, you know, when you, you lose the capacity to just be honest and real with, with your own self is that like, it's, it's like these little betrayals and, you know, something that I've brought up, you know, numerous occasions on this podcast, but I, I still find it so fascinating when I found this out. But years ago when I did like a 10 day silent meditation thing, part of the silence is so that you don't lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that, that was an aspect of it that I just totally didn't understand until I got there. And, and that was one of the things that was explained. And I was just like, Oh, Holy shit. Yeah. Because there's all these little ways in which we lie. And so it just takes away when you can't talk to somebody, it just, it, it removes so much of your capacity to be dishonest. And as you were saying, like we all, we all lie about things and we lie about things because I think we are ashamed. And often, again, like this coming back to fear and shame, something that I used to talk about a lot. <laughs> and it's just like, um, time for like a refresher on fear and shame, because very often we are afraid of our shame. We're, and like they feed into each other, you know, and sometimes we're ashamed because we're afraid, you know, like there's just, that's a, they're, they're both really nasty 
combinations of things. And, oh, where was I going with this? There was something about it. Fear, shame. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do like how you're entering into this whole idea of the compound effect of fear and shame, where is I'm ashamed and then I'm scared because I'm ashamed or I'm scared and then I'm ashamed that I'm scared and how these things can work in tandem and compound and, you know, become layered on many different levels. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we're working on here as we've been doing this podcast is you and I have been trying to figure out, you know, how do you authentically carve out your path in life? And, you know, how do you have an element of creativity in it while still kind of doing the dance of practicality with, you know, industry and whatever else that might be involved. And so I think that, you know, there's an element of, we are talking about honesty and we're talking about, you know, being true and real. I do think there's a certain amount of disclosure that is unnecessary. And what I mean by that is that you can be a very honest person, but it doesn't mean you have to disclose everything. It doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything about you. And I think that, you know, one thing about art is that you are sharing something about yourself, but you're not really disclosing it. So I think that's one thing that, you know, for the artists out there, you can use your art as a form of um, admission, a form of expression through admission. But remember that it, you get to, like, if, for example, if you're writing a screenplay, you get to do it through the, another character. And you, people who know you might go, you know, I see you in that character. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's more, you know. And sometimes you see yourself in the character in ways you didn't think you were. And that's also revealing. But, um, you know, the, the point I, that I'm making here is that disclosure is not really what the artist's job is. In fact, I would say that the artist needs to admit the truth, but doesn't need to disclose the truth. More often than not, you don't actually have to disclose what happened. I mean, I disclosed this story, this event about my life. I didn't have to do that for the sake of this podcast. I didn't have to do anything, but I did it because you know what? Like, are there, is there fallout that can come from that? Is there negative views that people can have of me? Is there judgments that can come my way? Of course, that's a risk that I took by disclosing that. Um, you know, am I trying to get closer to my audience? No, I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share a pain I went through so you can avoid it. And you can judge me about that. Or you can take my warning and say, you know what? He lived it so I don't have to. And that's what I hope for the world to do. I hope that, 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 you know, I wish someone expressed that to me before I ever made my decisions to, to listen to fear. And by the way, you guys will hear me say this on the podcast time and time and time again, don't make decisions out of fear, which is clearly what I did. I made a decision out of fear and it was, it was, you know what, in the scheme of things, is it really that bad? I mean, you know, you can make all sorts of justifications of, well, you know, it was not really that bad and it wasn't even really cheating because you kind of, you kind of did it and then you ended the relationship right away so you didn't really cheat but it's like no I broke my word whatever in my internal world I fucked up so you can look at it and, and do all the fancy dancing around to try and right and wrong it the thing is is that I lived with it and it took fucking years to deal with yeah. 
And that's the cost of a lie, you know? So anyway, yeah, Evan's got something to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and you, yeah, like you've got, you're always the one that has to live with it. You know, we can convince ourselves of anything, but fool ourselves of nothing, right? Like there's just, there's always that part of you that, that really knows. And I was going to say as well, it's not sometimes stories like the one you share is not certainly that's great if it can help somebody avoid it. But even if someone is like, well, no, like maybe this is something that you're in the midst of, like you've, you've done it, you've gone through with it. Well, it's like, where do we, where do we start? Where do we go? And it's just like, well, yeah, so this is, it can, it's also a story of how the path to healing starts. Right. And I I think this is the word that was, (laughs) that I was trying to grasp just before it was this healing thing which is so much about what art is about. And there's something around this honesty and healing, right? And art, right? Which is, you can't begin to heal, right? Until there's honesty, right? People like, especially in, in a relationship issue where there's, you know, there's been some, been some cheating or something going on or whatever. It's like the, wh- whether you stay together or not, like the only way that either of you can start healing, whether that's together or apart is through honesty, you know, like, because when everything's surrounded by lies, there's just confusion, right? Like there's just there, there's, and that's when people start looking for closure on things, right? Where it's like that phone call that comes out of nowhere from a few years later, just like, Hey, what the fuck was going on there? You know? And then maybe at that point in time, there's enough distance from something where everyone knows like, well, this is, this is what was going on. This is what happened. And then everyone can move on. But it's like, that's the thing that, that's everyone's looking for in those moments. It's like, I, I need some honesty. Like I just need some naked honesty about something so that I can, so that I can heal. Right. And everybody can heal. And it doesn't always necessarily mean that, oh, well, let's, you know, let's get back together or let's be friends again or whatever. It's something like, no, it's not. It's it, that's sometimes just not in, in the cards, but at least on a deeper level as, as on a human level, you can move on, you can heal some wounds. And, and again, art is very much about this, which I think is why, you know, this, this, this sort of call from Rick Rubin, you know, to just like treat these things like, you know, treat every piece of art that you, you work on, like it's a diary entry, right? Like it's not only because of that ability for it to allow you to fully create and invest yourself into something, but because you might just accidentally put something in there that puts you into a process where maybe you can heal something, you can heal a wound, you can heal a fear, you can heal a, some, a shame of some kind, right? And, and maybe somebody else will be able to do the same thing through how you've expressed something. You know, maybe somebody, maybe we can share in that thing together, right? Where, where someone can reflect on on their own life and, and, and heal as well. Right. And I think that that's such a big part of, you know, of what art is, what life is, you know, it's, I think so much of it is about 
is about healing all kinds of all kinds of things. Uh, something that I was just thinking of as we're, you know, going through this is like, are you tested? You know, it's one thing to say like, oh, I never do that. I've never done that. It's like, yeah, but have you been tested? Because, you know, there's lots of times in life where, you know, you just haven't had the opportunity to do the thing that isn't right, you know, or isn't good or, you know, whatever. And, and like, there's a certain amount of, I think for the for the person who, let's say, quote unquote, is innocent. It's like, uh, I judge you. I would never do that. Okay, but put yourself in a situation where you might, where you would, where you could see and understand how how things can, can happen. Um, you know, I, one, of my, one of my friends back in the day, um, you know, he... He, we went out and we were, we had some drinks one night and he, you know, he had this girlfriend he'd been dating for, you know, quite a while. And, uh, he was hanging out with another girl and they were, you know, like they were pretty, they were young guys, but anyway, he was like spending a lot of time with her and he started to catch feelings for this other girl. And he's like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm starting to feel something for her. And I like, I don't want to be, I am. He's like, what do I do? And, and, I don't like who knows what to tell anybody what to do when you're that young. You don't know anything. You're just trying to figure out life. Right. But anyway, he came to the conclusion that he should tell his girlfriend and he should say, listen, I, this is where it's at. You know, whatever. He wanted to come clean and just nothing had happened. He wanted to come clean. He wanted to, to share. Anyway, she did not take the information. Well, she went out that like next day slept with someone else and like, and then, you know, and, and so, yeah, <laughs> So he didn't even do anything necessarily wrong and he was honest and he did the right thing and there's a fallout, there's consequence. So people, you know, it makes sense why we don't want to share the truth. We don't want to disclose the truth. Like, look, we have to have empathy and understanding for each other. We have to, we have to see that like someone withholding a secret or someone not being honest with you or someone not telling you about their true self, they don't trust to share that with you. And, and, and for the person who sits in the saddle of innocence and sometimes puts themselves on the pedestal of innocence, you might not be so innocent in the sense that you might be kind of high horse judgmental, you know, in your, and, and people don't, they don't think you have the maturity to handle the information of their, of their truth. And, uh, you know, this is something we have to navigate through the world. Like, you know, there's a reason why we don't tell children everything and we shouldn't because there's a certain amount of destructiveness that comes with sharing the truth sometimes and it can obliterate our worldview and it can send people on a spiral and they can like, like his, his, well, ex-girlfriend into doing actions that they wouldn't otherwise do because the information is so provocative or so triggering to them that they just can't handle it. And so then they have to act out. And I, I imagine her and you can look at her and you can be like, oh, what? she's horrible. And it's like, well, she was insecure and she was afraid and she felt she was going to get replaced. And so her, her, uh, her idea of trying to solve that problem was jump to another ship and try, you know, and like men and women and everybody, we can all fight with each other about this kind of stuff. We can say, oh, you know, men are bad because of this and women are bad. It's like, try to find understanding, try to share the truth. And I think through maturity, we can be calmer in our actions and, and not, you know, also by being more honest, 
we're less likely to be as triggered. Now, pair this back because I think this all comes really back down to art anyway. The point is, is that in your art, you kind of have to let go of art. You know, you, you have to be willing to visit them. So like one script I wrote, I've talked about it on the podcast a few times called Love Loss. You know, there's infidelity in it. And it was really a hard subject matter for me to deal with. And this was, you know, this was years later after I thought I'd healed my wounds for the most part. But, you know, I wanted to confront the thing in the story that was like such a, you know, was such a triggering thing for me. It was such a, you know, and, and I, as I had to do it well, I had to understand the characters. I had to understand where they were coming from and understand their reasoning and, and, and get them to come to resolutions and work through it. And there was, you know, um, and the shock of the discovery and everything, you know, I had a, uh, someone say to me, they read the script. And when they got to the point where the kind of this thing is revealed, they chucked, they literally chucked the script like a Frisbee across the room. And they sat for like 30 minutes. And then they said they'd pick it back up and they read the rest of it. That's how hard they react to this. That's how truthful it was because it was so fucking ugh, like right in your guts. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to share some of that experience, right? But also explore it and have compassion and love. And, um, you know, and I, I've definitely written screenplays where I was very judgmental of a certain character. And, you know, we did table reads and I remember getting feedback and it's like, yeah, like, and it's just exposing. You're like, nah, you're full of shit around this. You're just judging it. You're not, you're not getting into this character. Like, it just feels like somebody who's just this baddie, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And I think so the art, you know, as we're talking about this, yeah, the price of being real, sitting with the antagonist, right? Sitting with the, you know, getting into their shoes, understanding where they're coming from, you know? And if they are truly evil and bad, how did they get that way? And, and, and like literally for real, for real, try on how that could possibly happen. And if you could say, well, it could never really happen to me. Okay, fine. But that's based on what you know and how you've experienced. But imagine somebody where it could have happened. Like imagine somebody like who ever since they were a child has just had this negative toxic influence on them forever and they've just learned to hate humanity because every human being they interacted with was just torturous to them and so now they're an adult and they have some power and they just want to get back and they're just that child that didn't have any power and now now they have power they want to take it out on people and they want to make them feel that fucking pain that they felt right and so you can start to understand that that was just a hurt child built upon pain, upon pain, upon pain, who's very, very misguided, don't get me wrong. But then you can begin to access the truth of this world and begin to, and not be triggered by it, but understand it. And I'm not saying you should go hang out with some nefarious, like evil, toxic person. But to have a certain amount of compassion and understanding, it can help you create art and it can help you communicate these stories like that we're all trying to navigate and figure out, right? Um, yeah, and the price is to be real, to actually do it, to actually go in and look at it and not to just sit on your high horse and judge it and go, I'd never be that way and that's wrong and bad and be like, what would it take for me to go down that road? What would it take for a person, even if you can't do yourself, what would it take for a person to go down that road and like, and for that to make sense to them? 
you know, where they would, where they could justify that, you know, and, and, and then you can begin to have a little compassion and some empathy, which I think that that's also part of the price being real. When we say that is that the price is that you have to have empathy and compassion, which is, I think when we know the people we know of who don't have empathy and compassion, we don't like very much in society, by the way, we call them narcissists and things like that. And, uh, <laughs> So consider that because you don't want to be that person. If you, if you're judging that person, you clearly don't want to be that person. So don't seat yourself as a unempathetic and discompassionate person. Yeah. Sorry. I was looking up a, yeah. just a quote. There was just something you know, you say like, doesn't you, you're saying you don't, doesn't mean you have to go and like sit down with like, you know, bad people or whatever. It's like, no, it, it means that you need to just sit with, with the parts of yourself that you're ashamed of typically you know because like that's very often what what and who bad people are and i'm pretty sure i'm i know we've had this quote on the podcast before but this is from uh carl jung said but what if i should discover that the least among them all the poorest of all the beggars the most impudent of all the offenders the very enemy himself that these are within me and that i myself stand in need of the alms of my own kindness that I myself am the enemy who must be loved. What then? Carl Jung, he knew some stuff. Oh, yeah. He had a sense of some things, you know, and that's and yeah, that's so much a part of what, what art is about. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, as an actor, you know, one, that's one, the great challenge of, of an actor is some is very often playing parts where you're just like, I don't know anything about this. Or at least you don't think you know anything about this person, this character, and the things that they do in the story. And you're just like, you know, you can, and, and you're just like, I could never do something like this. You know, you got actors playing genocidal maniacs, you know? <laughs> it's like, how do you, how do you do that? And it means you have to go and understand some things about your own self. And you have to ask the question, it's like, what would it take? What would, what would bring me to this place where, this would be okay, that this would be justified, that this would be, you know, and, you know, and, and that's one of the great things about all art, you know, and you're, you're saying just like with, with stories that, you know, you get to use these characters to do these things. And it's the same thing for an actor too. It's like, you get to, you get to do the diary through and through a, through a character that isn't, you know, it's like, this isn't me, even though it is you. <laughs> You know, but it's like people, but it's kind of confounding to, to the audience because you're, you know, even uh, trained and experienced actors, you watch a great actor giving a great performance and you're just, and there are moments where you just go, I have no idea where that person just went to do what they just did, but they fucking went somewhere like, and they really did it. And that's always like that to me is what gets me so excited when I watch great performances is when I'm asking that question. It's like, holy shit, they fucking went somewhere. I don't know where they went, but, but it was real. But it was real. Mm -hmm. It was real. There wasn't some fake surface level shit. They weren't affecting anything. Like they they really went somewhere real to to connect to this moment, to these circumstances. And and man, it can shake you, you know, like it could, it could just shake you to your core. And I, that's 
incredible when that happens. And again, it only, it only happens when there's that, that, that level of honesty and realness to what's going on. We need to wrap this one up. So I brought this beer in today for this conversation. And so we are drinking the, uh, lumber Chuck extra pale ale from parallel 49 brewing in Vancouver. I don't know what makes it extra necessarily. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. It's a little bit stronger than your, than your typical brew by about 0.9%. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about it? It's good, man. It's uh, it's tasty. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a strong, it's a strong beer. Uh, it does have a bit of strength to it. I will say that, but it's not so strength that it's like, it's still got a good taste balance to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a firm beer. You know, it's got a picture of a lager on it. I, I, and I feel like there's something funny and yet poignant and accurate about the whole thing. It's kind of like, yeah, like I do feel like I'm drinking a lager beer, you know? Um, yeah, but still, but, but, but not like, like, but like a high quality lager beer. You know what I mean? So let me put it that way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been enjoyable. It's, it's been good for the talk. Yeah, no, it's been, yeah, it has been good. It's been, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it really. It's like, it's been good. It's been good. It hasn't like been like knock my, so- my socks off, you know, beer of the year kind of a thing, but it's been pleasant enough. So, well, Brandon, this has been a good convo. A good convo. Do people still abbreviate that? Doesn't matter. I just did. And yeah, this has been an interesting conversation. It's gone into some territory that like on retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, I see how we, I see how we wound up at a lot of the places that, that we did from where we started with this kind of thing that, uh, that Rick Rubin said in this, in this conversation and you know just i think for me yeah like at the end of this i'm 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 really revolving around this this thing of of healing you know like the 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 price the price to pay you know the price to be um what do we call this one the price is to be real right the price is to be real. And, and I mean, I, I think that, yeah, coming out of this is that it's like, well, it's just the, the only thing that's really there is, is, is healing. You know, like I, I think it came to it, like liberation was a word that, that, that I arrived to, but now it's kind of landed on this thing of healing. And it's like, yeah, like I think great art is healing and honesty is, is healing even though some of the other things that come with it are things that we might rather avoid, that we might be afraid of. Ultimately there's healing and there's, and it's the only way that there can be healing. I mean, how can like, it's, it seems pretty obvious that, yeah, like one can't come without the other, you know, like how how are you supposed to actually really heal anything unless you can be real? and honest about what that thing was that happened and how you feel about it, how you think about it, how that, you know, maybe affected someone else, whatever it is. And 
it's yeah i think it's striving to have that that level of you know that that diary entry into more of our life not and to what you said at a certain point in this conversation as well that it's like yeah it doesn't mean that you have to that not that all of it has to be shared but i think it's it's pretty clear you know when what are the things that actually need to be brought out into the open you know and they're the ones that are painful to just carry around in the dark again right those vampires that we got it's like those are those are the ones that's like those need to to see the light of day you know because i feel like the ones that it's like ah oh, that that one's all right for me to keep to myself you know those ones are typically a bit more innocent they don't sting you know and it's like and also not only that but like we are mysteries to ourselves until the day that we die it's you know there's there's no end to there's no end to the people that we are and being able to try and talk about all of that you know and also it can become a it can become a bit of a i think an unhealthy obsession and almost a masturbatory type of a thing to just like be you know those people are just so addicted to telling you about their shit all the time and it's just like hey you know like this is like i don't know what this <laughs> what this is you know anymore but it's there so there's there's times and places for for all of these things but it, you know i think we when we start out from that that personal place which is really what that what the journal is about it's like let's just start here where you know the only one listening is is you you know and let's just see if we can be honest with ourselves here first and let's just do that let's just start here let's not think about anyone else or anything because once we bring anything else in or anyone else in we're we're again compromising our ability to maybe just spill it you know spill and say what really needs to be said here and then you can go from there right but that has to be the origin point yeah, I like that. I like the whole idea of like, let's just see if we can be honest with ourselves. And I, I think that walking away from this conversation, I think the important thing, one of the key nuggets here is just like, how am I bullshitting myself? How am I justifying and making excuses dancing around the thing I know is a bunch of bullshit, you know? And you know, I mean, you know. And, and just stop lying to yourself about it. Why don't you just admit, you know? And like, I think it's always interesting to take a second and observe yourself like you're a character in a story and you're an audience member watching you. And like, what would you think of you? Like, really? You know, and, you, and, and this, this audience member got to see all the bullshit that this character hides. Got to see all the lies they tell. I got to see everything they got to see it all. You didn't get to edit it or cut it in a way that made it look like you were great. And, uh, you know, do you like the person you see? And if you don't, I think one of the first things is to go, yeah, I don't like, I don't like them. 
And uh, why don't I like them? Because there's these, you know, and then th- then you start correcting the course. Because that's a great story anyway. I want to see a flawed character turn into somebody who rises above all their bullshit. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of these great films, you know, and great novels, they're based on a character that is quite flawed in the beginning. And then they they evolve and they grow and we grow to love them because we see them transcend all this bullshit. And so, um, you know, I think the first stage is to be real. I think for those of us who are out there and maybe you have shames and things you're like, don't want to disclose. And you're, you know, I don't think, I don't think the aim here is like, I don't think it's a call to action to be like, go out and tell everybody everything. I don't, it's not that, you know, but, and you know, but, Maybe there are people who in, are in your corner or maybe you can develop relationships with people in your corner where you can begin to tell them your truth and you can begin to open up who you really are. And maybe through them, you can begin to see that you're not so bad, that you know that, that you are acceptable as you are and that the things you feel and the things you experience are not as irregular or, or they're not like an anomaly, like they're, they're human. Um. And then if you're creating art, you know, maybe by being more truthful, you begin to find ways to express that through your art. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it's not, a. this isn't about sharing everything. I'll share one last little story to illustrate this point because I think it's relevant at this moment. But, um, I, four or five years ago, I don't know, I was working this like night shift thing and the, the working a night shift on a random job that was like a short contract, you end up meeting a lot of interesting people. And by interesting, I mean a lot of, uh, well, it sounds judgmental, but a lot of people that fucked up, they fucked up their lives and they ended up in this kind of job. I'd never really had a normal job. So I took it not knowing any different. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I met a lot of people that like they had drug problems or addictions or weird things. And then they just couldn't hold down a job. And this was a place that would accept them. Um, but I remember one of the first couple weeks working working this guy comes up to me and uh we're on our first break and he comes up to the parking lot and i was just like eating a bag of chips or something and he's like both my parents are dead and da 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 and he started sharing this like deep details with me about his life and i was like holy shit i don't even know who this guy is and he's already telling me this is what i'm saying like you don't need to go tell everybody everything that's not what being real is you, you you earn with people the ability to share your truth and you know um you you need to you need to consider that there may be things that you have that you want to tell somebody but it's not the time and place and the relationship isn't ready for that yet and and when i'm i think when i want to get to at the point and this is my final point i think about this whole conversation is the price is being real as you become real, you also have a responsibility to consider others who may not be able to handle your realness yet. And your relationship may not be bolstered or strong enough to handle it yet. And so that's something that um, we need to consider. And if you're on the other end and you want someone to share their truth with you, if you want them to be real with you, earn it. Make them feel safe. Show them that there, there is, there, you know, show them that there is a way in which this can be done, which doesn't mean total destruction and annihilation of them. Because 
If someone believes that you're going to annihilate them after they tell you the truth, they're never telling you the truth. And so you are so entitled to think that you should ever get it. And so it works both ways. And I think this is something we didn't really talk about in the podcast, but I think it's a nice way to finish it because you kind of covered the, the, the part that was the podcast. But I will say this one last thing to say with is that um, the price is to be real, but the price to pay to get real is that you have to take responsibility for being able to handle it. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.